Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope you're well. Today we start a new course, Roman Tragedy. Ooh. And to tell the truth, these are all new to me. For one reason or another, we did not talk about the existence of Roman tragedies when I was getting my degree, which is interesting because a required course was a semester on all the Roman texts we should have read, but these plays did not feature at all. And the reason we didn't cover them may have something to do with their author. Okay, a step back. Just like with the Greeks, there once were a lot more examples of Roman tragedy than what has survived the ages. There were more than three Greek tragedians, and there was more than one Roman tragedian. But only one Roman's tragedies have survived. Well, maybe there are a couple that might not really be his, but they're attributed to him. And tragedy isn't exactly what this particular uh, writer is best remembered for. Lucius Annius Seneca, also known as Seneca the Younger, or just plain Seneca, is best remembered as a Stoic philosopher. I wasn't aware he dabbled in the theater until I looked up what might be covered in a Roman tragedy course. I did a double take because the drama and gore of a tragedy is the last thing I think of when I think of Seneca. So, who was our playwright? Seneca was born in Cordoba, Spain in 4 BCE at the height of Augustus's reign. But even though Seneca wasn't born in Italy, his family was a rich Roman family, so he got birthright citizenship. And you can probably guess that his father was Seneca the Elder. And that Seneca was also a famous author, and it's not uncommon for the father and son to get mixed up. Seneca the Younger, our Seneca, was a middle child with an older brother who went on to become governor of southern Greece and even gets a mention in uh, the Acts of the Apostles, and a younger brother who wasn't as famous in his own right as his son, whose works we may cover when we get to the Roman histories. All three boys were sent off to Rome to study. Seneca fell in love with Stoic philosophy, if love is the right word to attach to Stoicism. Most of his writings are about philosophy, so we'll spend a lot more time with Seneca when we cover the Roman philosophers. But Seneca isn't simply famous just because he was a philosopher. He's also famous because of his relationship to politics. And in order to talk about that, we need to talk about the Roman Empire, or at least the first handful of Roman emperors. We don't need to get into tons of details about the empire itself. Uh, So (laughs) we are so not getting to Agamemnon in this episode, which was the original plan. This was supposed to be an episode about Seneca's Agamemnon. It is not. It is only going to be about Seneca. Okay, I really want to start by just singing. Have you heard the Animaniacs song listing all the U.S. presidents from Washington to Clinton? Maybe it's because it's recently popped up on the Pandora channel, my kid favors, but I really just want to go, Augustus was the first you see, he once chopped down a cherry tree, which of course doesn't really make sense because the whole cherry tree myth is a George Washington thing. Anyway, Augustus was the first. We've already talked a bit about him, Julius Caesar's nephew and heir. 
When Augustus died, Tiberius became emperor. And he was okay, but he was no Augustus. And things just went downhill from there. You may have heard of a young man named Caligula. That wasn't really his name. His name was Gaius. But when he was a toddler, his dad used to dress him up in a little army uniform, complete with little boots. So everyone started calling him Bootsy, and the nickname stuck. Yes, that's what Caligula means, effectively. It means little boots. And it might explain why he grew up to be such a brutal emperor. I mean, a grown man still being called Bootsy by everyone? I mean, no wonder he was messed up. Caligula started out okay, but then he, well, he killed a lot of people, or at least had them killed. He only reigned for about four years before he was killed, too, by the Praetorian Guard, no less. That would be like the Secret Service deciding to take out the president. Then his uncle Claudius came to the throne. You may know him from I, Claudius. He's known for his stutter and bumbling nature. He managed to stick around longer than Caligula, but that didn't keep him from being murdered too, possibly by his own wife. Up next was Nero. He probably didn't fiddle while Rome burned, simply because the fiddle hadn't been invented yet. But Rome did burn under his watch, and he did take advantage of that tragedy to build a giant golden palace for himself. And he did fancy himself quite the musician. He played the lyre. And he participated in the Olympics and won all the prizes. Not because he won, but because, well, you didn't want to cross Nero. Really, we'll hear lots of fun stories about him when we get around to reading the Roman histories. Nero was also emperor when Vesuvius erupted, bearing Pompeii and Herculaneum. He ultimately died by suicide, but that's a story for another episode. Seneca is the subject of this episode, and he lived through this entire period. He was about 18 when Augustus died, and he was never in the best health, so he went to live in Egypt with his aunt, returning to Rome in 31 CE when Tiberius was emperor. At some point between then and Tiberius's death in 37 CE, Seneca rose to the rank of quaestor and became a senator. Now, you only had to be 25 to be a quester, so Seneca was kind of old to be starting his political career. Questors were in charge of the treasury, but over the course of the empire, the position became more and more ceremonial, and Seneca held the title during this transitional period. So exactly how much power he had, who knows. And during this period, Seneca started writing and talking. He became famous not just for his political treaties, but for being an orator. But after Tiberius died and Caligula became emperor, well, let's just say that Bootsy wasn't terribly impressed with Seneca. Seneca was simply too good of an orator. I mean, the Senate would listen to him. That's unacceptable to Caligula. According to Dio Cassius, Caligula ordered Seneca's execution by suicide. And yes, that was a thing. (laughs) Whether true or not, Seneca survived Caligula's reign, but then Claudius came to power, and Seneca was accused of having an affair with Caligula's little sister Julia, and his punishment was to be exiled to Corsica. While there, Seneca continued to write and study, and this may be where he wrote the first of his tragedies. 
Meanwhile, back in Rome, Agrippina the Younger, Caligula's other sister, was in search of just the right tutor for her son, and she thought that Seneca was the man for the job. She convinced Claudius to end Seneca's exile so that he could return to Rome and become tutor to none other than Nero. And when Claudius died and Nero became emperor, Seneca stayed on as an advisor, even if it may have been in an unofficial capacity. He did his best to temper Nero's worst impulses. I mean, if you're wondering what the opposite of a stoic it is, it does kind of look like Nero. The two men eventually had a falling out. Nero kind of accused Seneca of trying to kill him. And so this time, it was Nero who ordered Seneca to be executed by suicide. And this time, there was no reprieve. But Seneca was a stoic to the end. He decreed that a man should not live once, his, once he has outlived his usefulness. And I'll spare you the details of exactly how he got around to doing it. He killed himself. So that's Seneca. He wrote, he talked, he tried to be a good teacher, and then he died. And we'll cover his philosophical writings eventually, but over the next 10 episodes in this series, we'll cover his tragedies. There isn't a lot of background I can provide to this set of works. They are undated, although we have some guesses that they were written partly during his exile in Corsica. And it's not even clear whether or not they were performed. They definitely did not have any big public performances like the Roman comedies that we covered. But they may have been performed privately for, like, the emperor's household or some other wealthy family. I'll be working from two different translations. An old one by Ella Isabel Harris. I believe it's in the public domain. You can probably find it online. And a fairly new one, uh, maybe 10, 15 years old, by Emily Wilson. And we'll go through the plays in the order suggested by Wilson in her introductory notes. Agamemnon, Phaedra, Oedipus, Medea, Troades, Hercules Furens, Thyestes, and Phoenicia. And if you've counted, yes, that's only eight plays, and I said there are ten. <laughs> we'll cover two additional plays that have been attributed to Seneca, but are probably written by one of his followers. And they are Hercules on Oeta and Octavia. So what do you think about our Stoic philosopher who also wrote gory tragedies? What questions do you still have? What are you expecting from what we'll read next? Pop over to the blog and share. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. The link to my Patreon is there too. In the next episode, we'll read book three of the Aeneid. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.